This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK, where interesting people talk and London listens. And a regular feature on Wednesday mornings, left, right, and center, and our regular panelists, Bob Metz and Jess Schlemmer, join me today on uh, a very uh, noteworthy day, I think. Uh, although, nothing may transpire today other than the expiry of Mr. Bush's uh, ultimatum. There's no guarantee that the Americans are going to move at 8.01. Um, there's no guarantee that Saddam won't move before that, or indeed that the Americans won't. So uh, we don't know just how momentous a day this is going to be yet, but it promises to uh, to lead us into some momentous times. I wanted to ask my guests today, I want to talk a little bit about the, the UN, because I made some statements about the UN this morning and got some nasty email already about it. And I'm going to repeat them just in a nutshell for you guys, and I'm going to ask you for your comments. My concern about Canada's position, Mr. Cretchen's position, is not so much that he's chosen not to support the Americans. I think he has every right to make that choice. Uh, I'm a little distressed that he's done so, saying that without the support of the United Nations, we're not going to go ahead. Uh, when we anybody who's followed this knows very well that France has made it very clear that they are going to veto any kind of new resolution about war in Iraq. They've been very clear about that. They don't care what the wording is. It makes no difference at all. They're going to automatically veto anything. And it seems to me that for Mr. Kretchen then to say, well, we're, you know, we're not going to do it unless the UN will support it, is basically kowtowing to the French. Um, in advance, that France is not going to allow any such resolution to be passed sort of my problem with this it's less about i mean he's entitled his opinion it's different than mine and if he wants to take that position okay he can do that i personally am embarrassed by that position but for me it's more about this sort of leaning on the un and i want to ask each of you fellows what you think of the un these days and not the principle not the idea behind it which was to try to bring disparate nations together around a, a table and see if we couldn't talk out our problems rather than fighting them out We've seen after more than 50 years that uh, talking is about all that normally that gets done. Um, there's no requirement for good behavior on the part of members. Uh, there are brutal dictatorships that belong to the United Nations. There are democracies. There are uh, third world despotisms. There's just every kind of government on the face of the earth is there. And uh, they have an equal vote except for the Security Council. So I'm, I want to ask you guys whether you or just what you think of the position of the UN today. And Bob, I'll start with you this week. Well... First of all, I think John Chrétien has revealed to us once again that he's not a Canadian prime minister, but an international socialist. He has even deferred the sovereignty of this country and its decisions to a body uh, that's called the UN, which is made up of, as you say, I mean, let's face it, it's thugs and thieves at the table. It's like sitting down at a table with Carla Homolka and saying, is your opinion morally equivalent to the opinion of your victims? Right, and that's what the UN is. Mm -hmm. The UN is a is a conglomeration of states who have such different ideas of what government is about that for them to even sit at a table is a, is a remarkable accomplishment in and of itself. So, in that sense, you could almost say it could be used as a vehicle of diplomacy of 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 each side trying to influence the other, which is what's going on. Mm -hmm. But a lot of what goes on at the UN is basically all the other countries around the world trying to get what they can out of the freer countries, both in terms of foreign aid and help and all that stuff. And that's the stuff that starts wars. So I would say the UN is a great, uh, it can also be an instrument of division, of giving re people a reason to have an argument of, of, you know, and not following through on a lot of its own decisions because it doesn't have the power to do so. Only the America does. Jeff? Well, I guess, um, 
the UN, to just go back for a sec, is uh, was a creation of the United States that uh, Woodrow Wilson, when he was president uh, during World War One, thought it would be a good idea that if it's a good idea for, for states to unite together, the next logical step is for nations to unite. And, uh, you know, the United States has pushed this idea ever since, um, essentially until they became the only superpower. And, and I guess the question now is whether the idea of, of nations uniting has become kind of obsolete um, if they need other countries anymore. But I guess the, th the thing right now is, from my perspective, uh, Bob talks about uh, disparate um, nations being involved in the United Nations. And I think about the, the United States and how we have disparate states involved and how there are a lot of southern states who would say we have very little in common with northern states or some states that support uh, capital punishment and other ones that don't um, people would say that sort of the 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 state ethic of Texas would be very different than the state ethic of Vermont for instance and yet they still find it useful to to ally together as a as a unite United States and I think that over the long term we'll see a United Nations that will be similar to that but it's a bumpy road and the, and the question along the way is you know what does it mean where you've sort of agreed to do some things together but not necessarily everything um, as things stand right now from my perspective uh, you know I know that it was the United States I think it was 1947 when they signed uh, the UN Charter and Canada did and a bunch of other countries saying we're only going to go to war if we're uh, for self-defense and if the United Nations votes to go to war uh, and, I, and I'm thinking about well excuse me the 98 was it that uh, the states went into Kosovo and we did too and the UN didn't vote for a war then so mm -hmm. I don't know how, how we get around that one that was Bill Clinton's watch um, but uh, in the big strokes of the thing, everybody's still signed on to this thing. Uh, the U.S. still says that they're uh, that they're uh, agreeing to follow that rule, and they're kind of twisting and turning and saying, "Well, this resolution that uh, we passed about disarming, we think, is close enough to a declaration of war that we're in there." But it really isn't. Like they, the U.N. didn't say they were going to go to war. The other question, though, is that when you've got an organization like that with some powerful countries and a lot of countries that have no power. Is it appropriate for the powerful countries to have a veto? And, you know, I guess if they didn't have a veto, they wouldn't be there for starters. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I gather... It calls into question the whole legitimacy of everything. Well, Everybody's talking about the majority. Steps, the majority steps, does support the action in Iraq. That's what kills me. Here's John Critchane. Oh, yeah. the majority of the UN supports but, 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 but it. Will support it. But the majority the does. Two, the it's two only countries, a veto that does. Yeah, it. but the two countries who usually who veto more than anybody else by far are Russia and the United States. So the United States by far has, has given vetoes more than any of the countries. Because except, they're the most extreme Russia. opposites in principle. Yeah, obviously. but it, but again, I don't think the United States can really criticize another country for saying you're going to use a veto when they use it more than anybody else does. Um, don't you have to look well, at the context of the veto, though? I mean, this, well, not this legally. Is, legally, they've agreed that these are the rules of the game, you know, that everybody gets uh, the, the top, whatever five countries have a veto. So the context yes doesn't no. make any difference? Well, again, legally, you have to go to war or not, it does in not self matter. Defense, or you're going to go to war <laughs> if there's a vote to go to war. It doesn't Neither matter. Those things the UN has no authority. It's, it's a big club. But again, it the has, United States is in this weird position where it's their idea. They're the guys who started yeah. it. Uh, do they want to continue it, or do they not say it's obsolete? With the, with the Cold War ending, we just don't need. The well, there's UN a anymore. lot. There are some calls being heard in the states now to abolish the United yeah. Nations. Well, and that's, the United what, and that's withdraw. That's right, and certainly Great Britain went through that when they were the dominant power in the world. That when you're the big guy, I guess there's a natural inclination to say we don't need the rest of you. We're going to do what we think is in our best interest. And I understand that as a matter of human nature. Although I think history would tell us that when you're on top, you don't stay on top forever, uh, and that it's not a bad idea to look down the road. Yeah, you know. There has been no other country other than the United States that ever asked the UN for permission to go to war. 
and it got it twice. Once was Korea, and the other one I, was, I forget which one it was that Gulf was. Gulf War. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. And well, it's, uh, it's their invention. That's the thing I but, find but kind of funny. But the thing is, is no other country in the world is anti-American. It's who, their invention. Who is, who is a member of the UN has ever asked the UN to go to war when they go to war? France is at war right now on the Ivory Coast. They didn't ask anybody's permission, mm -hmm. and. And when you ha when you look at the interests involved of the people who are vetoing th this thing, France has a lot of loans and money tied up in, in Iraq. They're concerned they're not going to get paid paid back if 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 the assets of Iraq are bombed. Mm -hmm. So they have they have a self interest there. Their interest is oil. Their interest is economic. It's not based on any principle of any sort. And then the fact that they would now say that maybe we'll support this if there are chemical weapons there is such a hypocritical statement I can't believe it. It's okay, if conventional weapons, that's okay, you're on your own. But if they use these real bad weapons then then we're with you. What is what is that all about? That's not but, a but are you saying that you should only use a veto on matters of principle and not a matter of self interest then? Oh no, the veto is I'm just saying it's irrelevant because the UN really doesn't have any authority. George Bush is really being a nice guy by going there and asking them Look, I'd like to get as many of you supporting me as possible. He didn't have to do that at all. He could have just gone in like every other country in the world does. Let's make a point of that. Well, I don't think Canada's started not every country. Canada hasn't gone to war with anybody lately. Well, a lot not of countries lately. don't like going to war. They hate it. Well, no country likes to go to war. It's well, a loss for every country. Some are more interested in it than others. Well, status countries, and that's and you. And yeah. the funny thing is that people who are opposed to the war generally, you can say, are statist. But I guess the other thing is that from the standpoint of the United States, uh, you know, I think that part of what what they had in mind, and I think what Harry Truman and the gang had in mind, was that if we get countries signing on to say you can't go to war unless it's self-defense or the UN has done it, then it'll be it'll take away legitimacy from other countries when they declare a war. I think that was the ultimate goal. And and as you say, lots of countries have gone to war since then. Well, they saw they saw an world. immediate failure of that in in. Korea, where there was an undeclared war on the part of China and Russia, uh, both members of the United Nations, even though the UN had passed a resolution uh, mandating the UN military action against the North Koreans. And yet that was a, 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 a as you say, one of the two situations where there where there's been permission to go to war granted by the UN or, or agreed to by the UN. Yeah, but my so point is, is my point is that the people on the other side were members of the UN and fought against the UN troops. Well, and again, at the time, is it a better thing to say you can't come in to our club, or is it better to say come in the club and uh, and uh, you know we may not get along and everything? It was Lyndon Johnson's line about uh, I'd rather have him inside the tent peeing yeah, out than yeah. outside the tent peeing in. Yeah. <laughs> but keep it, your you know, enemy, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. closer. <laughs> this is left, right, and, and center. Uh, we're more friends than enemies here, and we invite your calls at 643-1290 if you'd like to be part of our discussion. We're talking about the relevance of the United Nations in the modern world and what you make of the United Nations, uh, and we'll be back in a moment. This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK. Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer with us today on Left, Right, and Center. We're talking about the UN in the context of what's happening right now. I want to come back to my comments earlier and ask you guys about that specifically relative to Canada. I said my concern with the Prime Minister is not that he's uh, set Canada uh, in a non-supportive role to the United States. He has a right to do that. He's the elected leader of the country. Um, he's not my leader, though. I make that point again. Um, but uh, he is mine, and that's fair. That's fair. One of our callers earlier suggested that he was, you know, he was the leader of us all, and I said our system doesn't really work that way. The Queen, technically, but I want to get right down to the Queen is the leader of us all. However, 
My concern with Mr. Gretchen's position is that he seems to be leaning on the UN, knowing full well that the UN is not going to do what he says the criteria is for Canada's support of the United States, and I find that just a little hypocritical. I ask either one of you guys to comment on that element of it. Well, I think that the idea that that we signed a commitment with the UN Charter and that we want to follow it isn't a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with that. And if somebody says, "Yeah, but under the rules, you know, this big country would really like to do something else, but the rules of veto and blah 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 prevent all this," therefore, you know, the big country should get to do what they want to do. I don't think that changes the rules. You know, if, if the United States doesn't like the rules at the UN, they can go and try and change them, I guess. But uh, what we've seen recently is that they're not nearly as interested in diplomacy as they were when George Sr. was the president. We talked about how James Baker at that time traveled the world five times mm-hmm. trying to, to enlist support that they were in Russia. The last meeting they had was with the Iraqis, trying to persuade the Iraqis uh, to back off. Uh, we've seen none of that this time around, that this isn't a government that, that really is interested in diplomacy anyway. But but fundamentally, as far as whether there's anything wrong with Canada saying, look, we signed an international covenant that we would c- go along with what the UN says, and we're going to go ahead and do that. That's not that's not a, a bad thing. That, that's a good thing to do. Huh? Well, he also made a promise to George Bush a while ago that we would be supportive. So he's broken one promise and maybe oh. kept another. Did I don't think he, he said we we're going to go to war. Well, he said, <laughs> I don't but, think so. you know, I am, I am. <laughs> I've been paying attention. That, I would have noticed that, that one. That he's not been supportive. That bothers me as well as his de- deferring his authority well, to the UN. What do you mean by supportive? Well, I think we should be supporting the U.S. If should not militarily, war? at least telling them we're behind them and we'll give them that backup support. Well, are we not in Afghanistan? Not are we not have ships in the ocean uh, uh, protecting their w- ships? Whatever it takes, we should be yeah. there. We should be defending are, our own We're borders. all over the place there. Um, but I mean, but in the sense of, of showing our complete moral support for the U.S. Well, is there a way to do that 9/11? short of actually going to war against Iraq? I, I believe there is. Not every country that's part of the coalition is sending troops. Basically, it's well, Britain. Few of them are. It's Britain and the U.S. and Australia who Poland are, are is sending two hundred. I think. Well, that's a nominal amount to say the least. Yeah. But you know, Gretchen at the same time is saying he would like to see the dictator de- this deposed. Well, well, I would. I'd well, like I would say guy to too. him exactly. I'd like to what, see the guy, the Rwandans gone and stop killing the guys in Congo. Well, well, I'd like I to see the guy in Ottawa gone if you want to talk about dictators. The Koreans stop. The Koreans stop bothering us too. Of course. But I will say to him what Tony Blair said to the British Parliament, to will the ends and not the means will do more damage than anything. It's utterly hypocritical to say, I want this result, but I will not support the only means necessary to get that result. That's what I hear from socialists all the time. Yeah. Well, economics, we know in Vietnam and military, how well it works if you just everything. go in and start throwing bombs around. You know, no, I didn't like the not. North Vietnamese very much either, but uh, the Vietnam War didn't solve anything either. The Vietnam was a, a bad war. That was, you know, that's, that's a... A deep disturbing thing to me. A lot of people are confusing the people who protested against the war. Back when there was a military draft, when people were forced to go over there, you know, there are three conditions that make that make an attack on a country legitimate. One is that you have a volunteer army. Two is that the authority in that country is illegitimate. It's a dictatorship or it tortures or does things. And three, you have to have a self-interest. And I hear so many people saying about number three that, oh, you shouldn't be there because you have a self-interest. That's absolutely backwards. If you're there and you don't have a self-interest, that's the stupidest thing you could possibly do because you're just immolating yourself for no purpose. But there are lots of dictatorships in the world that we don't want to topple because we get along with them. You know, Saudi Arabia's got yes, one. Yes, because they haven't met one, all Egypt's the conditions and they haven't, uh, and they aren't threatening anyone and they aren't killing, uh, you know, we could say Canada we got, is a dictatorship. Okay, we, we've got a caller <laughs> waiting here you want to get on the air. Uh-huh. And it's uh, caller Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Um, I'd like to comment on, uh, I agree with your opinion. Uh, I'm against our our prime minister. We should be supporting our neighbor here, like, you know, and uh, especially in this time, uh, 
we're going to get out of uh, Saddam is a dictatorship over there. And we should be looking after what Saddam did to his own people a year ahead before the Gulf War and after the Gulf War. And this thing's like probably uh, not everybody understand it as a Canadian. And I'm a person that came from that all far away from that area. Mm-hmm. And I understand what's going on down there. And... <laughs> It's really, uh, first of all, it's no, uh, the war is hard to accept, but it's a reality. We have to face it, and there is no other way around. I think Mr. Bush did his, his part, like, you know, went to United Nations and had, like, you know, uh, to everybody around, like, you know, uh, did his diplomacy, and he failed in a way because uh, I think French government, either way it will be, uh, again, can vote like a veto on his decisions and no matter what we can do uh there so i found it like you know french government here didn't didn't work like in a favor of uh, iraqi people uh, it, it worked opposite uh that and uh, supporting dictatorship that uh, make it big you know big issue and i think now you see the french government turning around and and say if this dictatorship using chemical weapons or mass destructions and so are oh, we going to ho- go and support the uh, uh, you know United States military so i don't know I, I don't understand these things around how things like you know changing in a day and night for their interests yeah appreciate your call ken thank you sir uh, there's a guy with a little different perspective on it too from that area of the world. He says, Jeff, here's the quote from Mr. Kretchen, the September 24th, 2001. He said to George Bush, when you need us, we will be there. And we are. We just sent. Well, we send uh, another chunk of troops off to Afghanistan. Those are troops that uh, would take the place of American troops. I suppose you could make the point that he doesn't need us in. Uh, he doesn't need our three soldiers well, in. Uh, in uh, Iraq, anyway. Well, he needed us diplomatically, and we weren't there for him. All he had to do tells was say us, when, whether they're just being polite or what, they tell us that there are things that they like of ours. They say they like the armored vehicles that come out of London, Ontario, mm-hmm. that they're state-of-the-art, best in the world, and so on. So it's not true to say that Canada doesn't provide things of value. As far as whether or not we're there for him, you know, I guess the question is, does that mean, I remember the, the quote they used to use, my country right or wrong, you know, and, and the question is, does it always have to be my neighbor right or wrong? In this case, there's no question again that George doesn't have the support of the UN. You talk about France. No, Jeff, answer, answer wait, wait, the question. Right or question wrong? Question for a Don't, second. And never mind the neighbor and country. Oh, the, What's oh, the right or wrong? Sorry, that was rhetorical. That's the question I, you're the always is, avoiding. No, my question. No, there's no question that I would not say we follow the United States if they're wrong. I can't think of any reason to do that. No. And, and we never have before, and thank God. And we're not following them when the they're UN, wrong. Either. It's also worth, worth bearing in mind. Everybody wants to get mad at France and uh, and change their name to Freedom Fries and all that stuff. The United, United States did not have the votes it needed at the UN. France did not veto anybody. The United States decided not to put it to a vote because they didn't have the votes they needed. Right. France didn't have to veto anything. The United States did not have the votes they needed. That's why they didn't get their UN resolution. You know, they never got to France. So to say it's all France's fault, blah, 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 that kind of misses this point that the United States had promised we're going to have the votes and they just they didn't, didn't get them. They didn't need any of them, Jeff. Didn't get them. <laughs> uh, guys, we're out of time. Thanks, both of you, for coming today. Thanks, and uh, perhaps Thanks, this yeah. time next week we will be able to look back at a short and, and hopefully Hopefully, uh, uh, as blo- as bloodless as possible we'll war. Let's hope so. Amen. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed and we'll say our prayers. Thank you, Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer.